2: Terms and conditions apply. Uh. Check it out now.
1: No doubt now. It's the Beating the Book Podcast. Gil Alexander. Hope you're staying safe during this pandemic. Another sports betting profile during this strange time in our lives. Again, Alan Boston has been kind enough to join us to do this with us. Rufus Peabody, Captain Jack Andrews. Bob Stoll has sat with us to just talk about their evolution as people, but specifically for our purposes as sports bettors. Each story as fascinating as the previous one today uh, fits that bill. This is a gentleman who I have never met before I talked to him this past week, icon in the sports betting world. He was one of the subjects, of course, uh, profiled in the best of it that you may recall from 2016. Alan Boston was also in that one. This is Alan Dink Dankinson, a story unlike any other. Everybody's got their own. His, as unique as they come. Uh, real kind of him to sit down and discuss. Hopefully, you uh, can draw some inspiration from it. Dink, on the Beating the Book podcast. Enjoy.
2: It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. You so want those idiots who believe in analytics.
3: It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN, Vegas Stats and Information Network, Sirius, XM, Channel 204, VEASAN.com, the Visa VEASAN app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, the Sports Betting Network, as I mentioned. Gil Alexander live from San Francisco during this Pandemic. I have tried to, uh, for lack of a better comparison, transition into sort of Roy Firestone, Bob Costas mode, and uh, profile some betters, guys that uh, we otherwise might have a tough time getting in and doing them justice with enough time when we have a standard sports schedule. Rufus Peabody has been kind enough to join us. Uh, Captain Jack, Bob Stoll, Doctor Bob, uh, Alan Boston, of course, kicked it off for us today. Um, I'm real thrilled to have this guy on. I have not had the opportunity ever to uh, have spoken to him prior to this. He cut his teeth back in the day uh, when he was a kid betting horses in New York, uh, became a bookmaker, New York, New Jersey, pretty sizable bookmaker, didn't go so well uh, in the end, got busted, uh, spent some time in jail came to the dark side after that, the dark side meaning the betting side, maybe not the dark side, maybe that's a good side, uh, and uh, has been a renowned sports bettor for many, many years, primarily uh, on the sport of hockey, and has been the subject, really, of a couple films. One, uh, Bruce Willis playing a character that was based on him in 2012's Lay the Favorite, then, of course, many of you are familiar with The Best of It from 2016, Alan Dink Dankinson. Good morning to you, sir. Thanks for doing this thanks for having me go um apologize for the long intro can i go through the first let me just start here with two perfunctory questions that i did not reflect on very uh very deeply but one the last name is Dinkinson. the nickname is dink was that just somebody mispronouncing it at some point
4: yeah my sixth grade teacher would be calling me dinkinson and then uh I was caught by a fellow student in my class doing my math homework during class. Uh, he came up to the teacher and said, "Dinky is doing his math homework," and <laughs> somehow the Dinky name has stuck for fifty-five years since that day. And there it is.
3: Should I should I uh, address you as Dinky? Would that be okay? Alan okay. seems a little foolish.
4: Either okay. while well, you have an you have an Alan that you really, so I'll, I'll go with Dinky. <laughs>
3: Uh, and the other thing is, and please forgive me because you could, I'm, I'm risking you walking off the set here, but I'll tell you a little story. Me and my buddy E, who is a very successful professional better, we were walking out of a Vegas Golden Knights Tampa Bay Lightning game in the Knights' first season. And you may recall this. It was the game where the Knights scored with seconds left to win it. It was a pretty dramatic ending. I think the Lightning had come back to tie it up, and then uh, Golden Knights win it in the seconds. And as we were walking out of the stadium, actually as we got into Park MGM, which I think at the time was still the Monte Carlo, uh, my buddy, and I don't know why we brought you up, but we started to have a conversation uh, about you. And then, like, just the apparition, you appeared. And the reason that we saw you from afar is obviously because of your hair. Um, this is the first thing that people see. Those are watching at VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app. Has this always been a signature of yours?
4: Um, This is my hair.
3: <laughs> this, is hair. I, this is your hair.
4: This is what it is. It, yeah, I guess that's kind of odd because the, the, my dad... Plus, his hair at a pretty young age, so um, it's been one of those things that yeah, I'm known for. It's not my favorite thing to be known for, but it's okay. I'm glad <laughs> well, just this,
3: I Let's just put it this way: we wouldn't have spotted somebody else from afar.
4: It's just a signature of
3: yours. It's a very iconic. I thing remember for that.
4: You. I remember that game. I was with inside the pylons in that game. Was so oh. In legend, at that time, back to our, his car, which was parked uh, by parks. Who were, who were you with? I'm sorry. I missed it. Inside the pylons. He's a pretty famous Twitter
3: horse player. Yeah. I'm oh, okay. Inside the pylons. I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't hear. All right. I promise you, okay. I think the question, the questions get better from here on out. I, I promise you. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, I mentioned that you, uh, you grew up betting horses in uh, New York. Where did you grow up specifically? And what was your first experience with the glory that is
4: wagering, sir? I've, my first 37 years was spent in various places in Queens. Uh, I grew up my first 10 years in Richmond Hill, moved to uh, South Jamaica, which was a co-op on the old South Jamaica racetrack. Um, at 15, I was playing a lot of basketball and two of the older kids took me to Roosevelt Raceway and that they changed my life. Uh, so two kids I have two guys I've lost touch with Steve Rosenblatt and. Barry Lieberman. I wonder if there's still listening to sports talk radio. Uh, and that, yeah, I loved it there. I, I fell in love with the action. I didn't have any money, but, uh, I think that helped me because I was pretty regularly going to the track since I was 16 without a bankroll until I got one. And by that time I kind of learned enough about handicapping to be making a profit while I was going to college. Um, Mostly in the night tracks, I was a harness track in New York. And then I segwayed to day tracks, kind of when that game fizzled. But I was there the opening day at the Meadowlands. Um, I think I went to Roosevelt every, every day for a meet except two. It was, it was just my life. It was uh, going to school during the day, going to college, not doing any work outside of the classroom, going to classes playing poker in the cafeteria, and then going to Roosevelt Raceway.
3: Sounds like a lovely childhood to me. Uh, Were horses the Uh, only things you
4: bet, or was that just your favorite Uh, thing to bet? It was what I cut my teeth in when I was 17. You know, the beginning of my gambling career was all horses. I met a man at the track who was a small bookmaker, and he told me to gather up my friends and have them bet with him, and he'd give me 25% of the losses back for the quarter sheet. Um, after two years of doing okay, I realized maybe I should do this myself and get 100% of the losses. <laughs> so yeah, I, was so. <laughs> booking, I was booking for a little while while I still lived with my parents in uh, Forest Hills.
3: Okay, so I teased at the top that uh, eventually you got busted, but I I would imagine you got big enough. Well, maybe it didn't have anything to do with you being a big enough bookmaker. Maybe it happened. Maybe it had to do with a specific client. How did you ultimately run afoul of the law with that?
4: Um, I grew. Uh, I started booking, you know, what we consider squares. Then I gradually got a sheet of wise guys. I booked the Kosher's. I booked. The, Computers. I booked Mickey Appleman. I booked Alan Boston in his formative years, um, and that turned me into a broke bookmaker because I wasn't able to handle wise guys for a while. I had to borrow some money, regroup, learned how to be a good bookmaker, grew. My strategy was never turn down a customer who paid. You know. It, it, it was hard for a while because I had like eight wise guys and, and I never got buybacks on those games at that time. And God, I have to think about what year that was now. About 1977, those games started winning extremely regularly. Uh, so that put me in a hole. I got out of the hole. I turned my business around. I ended up having you know, 150 customers who bet regularly. Um, there was always two way action. I, I opened at 4 o'clock Eastern, and my first two customers were Mickey Appleman Mickey and Alan Boston, and they would fire the whole college basketball board a lot of times against each other at the same number. I, I, I innovated. I didn't want to book that high. I wasn't the biggest bookmaker in the world, but I took college, I took NBA NBA totals, which weren't very popular back then, um, and there was a lot of two way business from midlers versus sharps, and that helped me as well get a bankroll. Um, I would an agent would give me a customer, and I got one from Detroit. No idea who he was only talked to him one or two times as a person. He was just a name and a and a better who kind of was, I guess I could see that he was betting the sharp sides late. So I guess he was laying off his business, which I never cared to discuss. You know, it was just, he was just a customer and he was betting the right sides very late. So he really didn't have an advantage betting bad numbers. Uh, It turned out he was involved with Isaiah Thomas and running a dice game. And the FBI was aware of him and they tapped his phones and I was one of his bookmakers and they assumed I worked for him as opposed to just have a customer bookmaker relationship with him. Got arrested, took four years for the case to get prosecuted. I hired a very good sentencing lawyer, Alan Ellis, And he probably saved me from going to real jail that I got into a work release jail. So I worked at a friend's deli for 300 days straight, uh, worked every day. So I was never really in jail during the daytime. It was kind of sleepover jail. Oh, wow. So oh, it, wow. it wasn't that bad. You know, I drove my car to jail and I drove my car to work and then I drove my car <laughs> back to jail. I took uh, an extra hour or two to go to a GA meeting with uh, that happened at Chet 40, Chet Forty the uh, Monday Night Football director was at that meeting too. Um, we were friends, They he passed away in a year or two after I got released from jail. Or from the halfway house or the work release program. You know, that got me a felony, and then I decided I can't do this anymore because the second felony might mean some serious jail time. So I had thought I learned enough from the people who bet with me to be a successful better. And just like my bookmaking career, I learned the hard way that that's not that easy. Uh, And I had to regroup there too. I, I had. A decent amount a decent bankroll which got cut into because I bet too high for my talents. Um but then again I learned to take that into consideration, work harder, still was always a good hockey handicapper, but I was trying a little too hard to win at baseball. Um regrouped, build up my bankroll again, and uh now I've been doing that for uh 1995 i moved to vegas so five 25 years on the other side so about 15 years bookmaking 25 years betting maybe a little more in the betting side
3: i mean isn't the uh, biggest uh, the biggest point of all that to me the the big takeaway obviously it's a it's a roller coaster ride for you but You know, running, running, (laughs) follow the law aside, if we could just put that to the side and table that for a second, you could not have gotten, it would seem, a better education uh, to become a successful sports better than from your entire trajectory, right? Like to to book sharps, to see, oh, this is how I'm getting beaten, uh, to book squares, and then to really realize that as a better than the experience again as a better early on as you said to to have a lack of success early on but like that the bookmaking lessons must have helped you tremendously on the other side.
4: Yeah, sure, it was very easy to see what not to do because I had a bunch of you know a ton of squares and the squares tended to lose regularly. The wise guys always beat the closing line, so most of my I think most of my time is now beating the closing line as opposed to picking winners. And,
3: and was that I the single them. was that the single biggest lesson, Dink? Was it was it beating the closing line? I mean, if if, if I, someone I, I is landing that. on this sh- Yeah, if someone's landing on this show for the first time, let's say they're a, a novice better, what would be another bit of macro advice you would give them as like the single that, biggest?
4: There is so much more to learn than what you think you know. That you have to, you know, it's great if you can follow somebody or know somebody who's sharp and see how much work they do because I don't know any successful gamblers. And it's harder now because you have to program and get up, have bots and, you know, really have some kind of a model, whether it's an intern, whether it's a, a model that you can push into a computer or a model you can write down on paper. I'm still a paper and pen guy. Uh, but to, to arrive at a line that will get you the better, that will beat the closing number. That's that's my objective in betting, beating the closing number. If, if you're just going to bet without caring what number you're laying and when you're laying it at the right time, either early or very late, you, you're up against a lot of very sharp people now. It's really hard. I, I, I would stress that there are brilliant people in this business. When I first got into betting and bookmaking, a college degree would make wow. you one of the top 5% of the people who are in the gambling field. And now a college degree would probably make you in the bottom, just a college degree would make you in the bottom 10%. Jeez.
3: Well, uh, we got to take a break here. When we come back, uh, I want to dive into some of of what you just touched on, which is how do you view young really educated bettors today who are doing things with algorithms do you view them um with any disdain or do you view them with admiration and wish that uh you had had a similar background i think you touched on that a little also um with legalization now are some of your worst fears coming true do you still think that sports betting ultimately for you is a profitable thing uh, we'll get back to that alan dink Denkinson. Uh, kind enough to join us right here on a numbers game at VEASAN, the sports betting network, James Salinas, Michael Lombardi as well. Come on back.
2: Come back to a numbers game with Gil Alexander
3: back on a numbers game. Just like the man said, Gil Alexander live in San Francisco, Alan Dink Denkinson, kind enough to join us, uh, for the hour this morning. Um, and I mentioned all the things that, uh, Alan has done betting wise. I didn't mention uh, a couple years ago, world series of poker, super senior event cashed in that. I think a top 10 finish, um, lots of stuff here that, uh, you know, just a, a laundry list of things. Uh, we were joking on Twitter. You were joking last night. Uh, if we talk wrestling, you'd stay here for two hours. Are you still obsessed with wrestling Alan?
4: Um, yeah, I, I promote a small independent promotion, um, Wrestling's got me by a lot. Of the, I listen to some podcasts every day. It just, it, it kind of keeps me busy, not a big movie guy. I don't really want to watch Ozark and be depressed about seeing people. Out <laughs> so, I'm, I'm more of a Princess Bride kind of guy. So um, I want to see things that make me happy as opposed to, you know, intense or watching movies about gangsters. You know, I'm trying to find happy things that will distract me. Wrestling is a nice little fantasy world that's created uh, to to get you through the hard times of the real world. And this is the real hard times. I'm 66. This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I I say it, I never thought it happened in my lifetime. I'm sure at 66, you you feel the same way. As as someone who is 66 years old, Dink, uh, and you look at some of these young guys who are super educated and super smart. I brought up Rufus earlier on the show. Rufus Peabody is always the first person that uh, leaps to mind for me as someone who does this um, you know, just absolutely cerebrally. In fact, Rufus will be the first person to tell you as soon as his emotion gets involved, that's when he gets nervous or his thoughts. Um, do you look at guys like that just to hold him up as one of, of many who do that? Not, not, not a huge universe, but, uh, more than just him, obviously, do you look at them and, and have an almost, Uh, Is it admiration? Is it jealousy? Like equal parts that? What what is it for you?
4: It's 90% admiration. Uh, I think it's a little jealousy in the fact that I can't be like them. I I can't do what they do. I can't code. I don't know what R is. I barely can use Excel. Uh, I'm doing things, you know, the primitive way. I've become the dinosaur of the business, but I'm friendly with all of those people um rufus i know i wouldn't consider him a friend but i definitely respect him i think he respects me um i'm friendly with joey tunes i'm friendly with spanky i don't want to miss people i'm friends with rob a lot of people who do a lot of coding and great work and um you know i you know they respect me because i paved the way for them i guess and uh they know i respect them i, I don't get to sh- I don't consider them enemies. They make me do work a little bit differently to get the good numbers I have to bet before them because I have to bet when the market doesn't have that much vol- that much volatility. I have to bet when Pinnacle and Chris open right away because they don't want to touch those lines because they don't get down enough. <laughs> that really helps me. Uh, but so, I admire them so much. I know them. I know their families, a lot of them. They're just really good people, the ones that I do know. and. I consider a lot of them friends and I certainly respect what they
3: do. We only have 90 seconds here before the next break, Dink, but uh, given what you just said, that hurdle and perhaps others, sports betting then to, to turn a profit is that much more difficult now than I, than I guess it was 10 years ago, 15 years, 20 years, not, I guess, I know. Does it, is it to the extent that it almost deflates you sometimes, or do you still think that you can turn a profit here consistently?
4: I think I can turn a profit here consistently, but I used to be sure I can turn a profit here consistently. Uh, <laughs> I, have to, I have to keep up on my game, find little things. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate. I cashed in the NHC this year. That was a little bonus the horse handicapping contest. Um, you know, I'm a, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but trying to beat the closing line is is what I can do by work and by calling around and by shopping well and having little outs and, and you know, mm-hmm. having people help me a little, get down on good numbers. I, I, that's, the, that's my test, leaving the closing line. You know, it's not perfect. I know that's what a lot of gamblers think is the, the end all to end all. And I think it's almost the end all to end all. But there's a time also to, to know enough about sports to buy back at the right time as well um I, I always learn um, i like to learn so i like to talk to these kids who do well and a lot of them have been I, nice enough to share
3: I, I love the attitude um others aren't as gracious i'll be honest with you uh we'll come back we'll find out just exactly what your betting pie is these days what you still love to bet what you love to bet recreationally what's for profit we'll come back alan dink Dankinson on a numbers game at V's the sports betting network.
2: Welcome back to a numbers game with Gil Alexander.
3: It is Gil Alexander live in San Francisco. Dink Alan Dinkinson in uh, Las Vegas. Appreciate it, Dink. And I appreciate you hanging out with us. So what are you betting these days? So in other words, hockey became the sport that you were best known for. I assume when hockey resumes that you will all be all about hockey. But you mentioned you uh, are involved in some, you know, you're still playing horses. That's what you cut your teeth on, to use your words. Um, there's poker. Like, w- what are you doing for profit these days? What are you doing recreationally?
4: Um, almost doing only recreational stuff. I consider this my first vacation in 40 years. Uh, but I do look at things. I got involved with the UFC card. That didn't work out so well. Um so that was the only thing I've done in the last two months that I consider real gambling. I do uh, keep busy by looking at horses, but my handle like $300 a day, maybe even less than that sometimes. I just I don't want to handicap Foner and um, Will Rogers, and I'm, I always thought as tracks closed, I didn't trust Gulfstream and Tampa Bay to stay open that long. Uh, I've held my own with it for the last two months but really haven't even tried to make a serious profit because I didn't want to come into this and go, oh, there's only a few things to bet, so I'll bet them. I didn't want to study Korean baseball. I'm just waiting for sports to come back, and hopefully there's some good news about baseball. I I, I do that. Um, It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get through this without you know problems and i think the problems can cause them to close down after they open so i'm taking a very pessimistic view until we get this thing cleared with a vaccine and it might be a year or it might even be more but um you know i'll keep going with trying to be more social actually and see
3: oh i think we do we lose dink saying, guys right hey there we'll try to we'll try and to get dink back now. Yeah, we got you back. Yeah, I know I meant upon resumption, obviously, with but you know, you, you bring that up about your, your pessimism with this working out. I have sort of, you know, I haven't really joked. That's not the right word. But whenever I express skepticism, Dink, on that as well, because I'm on your page, like I'll believe it when I see the plan that makes sense. First of all, by the way, with, with baseball, the first thing that should exist is there's a no spitting rule. How are we even going to get past that hurdle, right? Like it's it's so basic with even something like that. So I'm I'm with you on that. But people get all crazy when you even express skepticism. Uh, but when it does come back, you're a, you're primarily what I'm getting a hockey and baseball guy.
4: Yeah, that's what I want to do. I mean, i – chasing numbers or you know something looking for value in the markets on on basketball, football. I do that as as an aside again. If there's a rogue number and I see it moving towards the that away from that number, I might grab it at whatever sportsbook account I have in with the Vegas sportsbooks or a couple of offshores or a couple of paperheads. Maybe a trade with somebody. I'm looking at like four minus oh seven here. You want plus four plus oh seven head to head deal. There's always things to do that give you a small edge. My edge is there's much smaller than they used to be uh, 20 years ago. I mean, my biggest edge was before Don Best. Don Best kind of ruined the business because it gave you, you know, too much information. Instead of working hard to get a line and to see where lines were moving, all you had to do is have a machine that everybody else has. And if you didn't have that machine and that information, you were way behind the game. So uh, you know, I, I blame Don Best for, for making this business. Uh, highly competitive with people who don't work that hard because they see the same numbers that I do.
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, Yet you're in, in the you older, I, I was really there when, when Caesar's Palace had seven and Bally's uh, had five at the same time. And yeah. I had runners yeah. in those places, you know, laying the five or taking the seven or both.
3: some of us us hear stories like that nick and we're just like wow that like that what an interesting time that must have been um that was my biggest
4: regret i didn't take advantage of great opportunities i just thought they'd be there forever so you know just make a decent amount of money instead of optimizing my game
3: for lack of a better way of phrasing this uh in a more delicate way i guess what what else sort of pisses you off about the industry like in other words Twitter's an interesting place right no one ever loses a bet there uh with legalization has be, has come a proliferation of sports betting media this network included um what what bothers you about you know this latest evolution is have your worst fears come true with that no in some well, ways um...
4: I think touts bother me the most—the people who have no opinions and act like they do—and um, I'm not quite as, you know, obsessive about it as some people. But uh, I, that people look at people like, uh, you know, the Vegas Dave as as a as a prominent gambler or something, and it's like, oh god, the guy's just trying to scam money. He's he's this generation's Stu Finer. Uh, it's all smoke and mirrors, and, and that's not what Cambler should be looked at. So I think I'm grouped into that, that, you know, the the, the people with the highest regard from the public are, are, are not deserving of the highest regard. It's people like you who know some of the people because they're your guests deserve to be respected. Um, and, and sometimes that respect goes to the people who are just trying to steal your money. I think that's my biggest problem with the industry is it's, it's very capable to attract scammers and have the scammers be successful. Also, people who take shots and don't pay. The credit is a credit is a double-edged sword. It's good for people who get credit and bookmakers who pay and gamblers who pay. But it's really a problem when there are laydowns and. Book, bookmakers open up and have no intention of paying. There was a bookmaker the day before the uh, draft who must have saw what his viability was and every bet was one-sided and he decided to close down and come back when a sport would come and not honor any bets that were pending. So in order to get out of a one-day disaster that he knew was coming, he just canceled all the bets. You hear a lot of bookmakers are struggling now, yeah. so I worry about that, too. So I only bet with the ones where I know I'm going to get paid.
3: Yeah, we, sadly, we've heard stories during this pandemic of uh, a lot of skins out there that are, have done that with NFL draft bets, for instance. Um, sure. Yeah, the, and sadly, they're not few and far between. Uh, which is obviously uh, not a good thing to say the least. Uh, we'll come back one more break. We'll wrap it up with you. Uh, Dink. Uh, want to get into how lay the favorite came to you is the book better than the the film. How, of course the best of it came to you all that. Um, Alan Dankinson right here on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network at Visa. Welcome back to a numbers game with Gil
2: Alexander.
3: Don't forget, now's the time to become a VEASAN Plus subscriber. It is free. You won't have to decide what you want to do, pay or cancel, until at least one of the major sports returns. Just go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe to sign up. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Alan Denkinson, Dink, uh, joining us uh, for the duration of the hour here for the balance, I should say, on a numbers game at VEASAN, Sirius XM Channel 204. And thank you once again, Alan, for doing so. Um, one, One of the reasons that I really am... Uh, attracted to all the stuff that you put out on Twitter and just in meeting you here today is you're super honest. uh, You're transparent. You're not one of these people who's talking about, hey, I win just like I used to. Um, So I always respect honesty. Honesty is not a, uh, how can I put this, a uh, abundant quality in this uh, industry, as you very well know, far better than I do. Um, So I appreciate that, sir. Uh, 2012. Lay the favorite. Bruce Willis plays a character based on you. You were a consultant for this film, I believe, at first. How did I, this come to you?
4: Um, well, the girl who wrote the book worked for me, and we're still friends. Um, they, I, I got to meet the director and the screenplay writer, Stephen Frears, and D.V. Vicentes um, because they came to see, before they did the screenplay. They came to look at my office and how I did my business and we became friendly and they asked me to be a consultant which about all the gambling stuff. Uh, So we did a 10 days in Vegas and the first 7 days in New Orleans and that was uh, my half of the movie where I consulted. I was promised a paycheck. I never got it. That was from the uh, (laughs) Alan Emma. (laughs) Not Alan Emma. I got that. I don't know, he's fighting with fifty cents of some some crazy independent it's guy He's fighting, fighting with fifty cents. Yeah. Fifty cent <laughs> was actually a producer of Play the Favorite, if you look at the credits. Not that Wow. I think he was a oh, I think uh, he was a money backer. He put in money, they bought the movie, they sold the movie before the movie was shot, so they didn't want to put anything into the movie, which is why the movie wasn't that good because it was already purchased. Um I- you know, that, the book, book is, is great. Um, best, oh, God, the book is so much better than the movie. The movie was, and, and the book was very respected. She wrote such a good book that it became a movie. Um, I don't know if you've read the book, but I, I always advise people to read the book before they see the movie because if they see the movie, they'd have no interest in reading the book. Um, um, how about, I, how I about I the best? Of it? The best of it, I knew Scott Everly a little. He was a producer at TVG. Um, he was going to do a movie based on The Shrink, <clears throat> but in the middle of that movie, The Shrink passed away. So he picked it up with um, Alan Boston and I and Lem Banker and did a documentary on four gamblers, even though one had already been deceased. Um, that was fun. That was easy. He just came to my house and shot a lot of footage. And we're still friends, too. I talk to him every once in a while. He's in Minnesota now. So I've had so many coincidences in my life that turned my life. Yeah,
3: yeah. So, I mean, bad. I guess. Yeah, when you when you look back on all this, not to say that you don't have still a bright future. I don't want to. This is not a. This is not in any way a eulogy of any kind. But when you look back on uh, on life, those those who are listening to this show, who are super fascinated by gambling, by the characters who have created the industry, uh, into what it is, you know, have, 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 to, you know, had a big hand in it, in it becoming what it is today. And they look at, I mean, look, we just talked about you, you were better, you became a bookmaker, you went to jail, then you became a, you know, better again, you became successful, better. You were, you know, you had movies based on you. When you look back on it all, do, you know, like we all have a sort of story. I know I tell about my mom, one, one of her sons is a doctor. My brother, the other one, does something else, right? She doesn't know really how to describe what, what it is yeah. that I do, other than oh, I think he's on the radio. So we all have a lot of that in common. I'm not sure if your mom, uh, you know, your mom went told to everybody for years
4: more. that I was an accountant. I was an accountant for 30 years. <laughs> so does
3: she get what you do now, or did or did she get uh, finally she's, like she's, how
4: did you has gone now? She dealt with what I did when I went to jail, uh, but until then, I was an accountant. She thought she could get me out of going to jail because she voted for somebody uh, who's a, a district attorney or something in New York. And I don't know. She was. She never really grasped what the whole thing works, how it works. She thought. She thought gambling was terrible. She wanted me to be a stockbroker, and I try to explain that that's kind of like a doubt and that's not really a, not really an honorable, most honorable profession. Um, but yeah, I've just been be lucky. Two years ago, for two months, Joanne Calder wouldn't live with me. Uh, that was another one of those miracle connection things. She's she's going to be fighting for the UFC championship against Valentina when Valentina recovers from her injury. I, I know Shayna Baszler well. She's one of my closer friends, and she's going to be probably fighting for the WWE championship again. So Little things just fall into my lap and, and they're a bunch of fun miracles that made my life very exciting yeah
3: you're thinking of writing a book now
4: yeah i'm thinking of writing a book i just know how my vocabulary i know how good beth was as a as a writer and i so pale up behind her that You know, and I look at my, I write a chapter and I go, God, this is terrible. You know, and and then I send it to her and she goes, Oh, she makes suggestions. And I go, you may as well write the book for me because that's what it's going to be. You know, she's just corrects all my flaws and my lack of a good vocabulary and lack of setting a scene. And, you know, that's one of my strengths is I know my weaknesses. I think that's uh, somebody once described that as my strength, that I know my limitations and I don't try to achieve them which is very Listen,
3: important a, in gambling. It's, it's very important in gambling, it's very important in life, right? It's a universal truism. The, the yeah, Recognizing yeah. what you don't know is really a function of intelligence. So I, I guess we, we sort of answered the question, I, maybe, maybe we didn't, but I, what I was gonna get to was as you look back on all of it, would you have had it any other way? I'm sure you wouldn't have wanted to go to jail, but you said it was kind of an okay experience under the context of what going to jail means. I'm sure there are, there are little regrets, but just from a big standpoint, a macro standpoint, would you have done anything differently? Or is this the life that you are re- that you wanted to live?
4: This is definitely the life I wanted. To live. I hate that. In fact, I'm this old and people are like going over my life. Like I won't have more life coming, but um, yeah, this is the life that I like. And, um, you know, I wish it's been taken away from me by a pandemic. I'm also very, you know, I'm, involved with a band called the joy formidable there they've become friends and they tour a lot and now they can't tour and that that was something i always wanted to look forward to the next show i would take a show where a friend is living that i haven't seen for a while and just fly out and go to that show that was important to me uh i thought i had like five good years left before i can't do things like because of age limitations um yeah. you know i are still I'm, familiar, I'm, yeah i'm, I'm worried about that. They're taking away like 25% of my last good years with the pandemic.
3: It's, you know, I say that, and I say that, think about, about like 28 year olds and 29 year olds or, or that age. I've been saying that about that age group, which is, wow, that's like, that's prime years that they, you know, the, the, obviously they'll, they'll have years to make up for it, but it really is time from their prime that you can't, get back in some way. So it kind of right. sucks all the way around, right?
4: Well, if we're going to change the world, the world's going to be a lot different when we get through this. things that you yeah. can't do, things yeah. you won't do, things that won't be there, you know? Yeah, I'll see.
3: Listen, Just I really appreciate
4: we, you spending spending we, the time. I'm sorry, go ahead. Hoping we get the vaccine sooner than later and, like, we can return to somewhat normal within a year. Absolutely. And then Make wow, the most I'm of blessed. it now. I'll Make the most this, of preparing uh, man. Like Captain Jack is preparing for the future. You know, Spanky is preparing more more, you know, more uh plans to attack more bookmakers in the future to get ready for when we come back to normal. Yeah. Captain I'm, Jack
1: still,
4: hopeful, <laughs> I'm still hopeful that this will not cripple us much longer. I, I I'm hoping six months things will get much better.
3: I hope so as
4: too.
3: We because were. Listen, as, as, yeah, because for we're, we're, those of us who uh, are uh, as concerned as any still understand and recognize, you know, and still understand and recognize that at some point you got to dip your toe back into the economy. You can't do this forever. Uh, so I think
4: if you could hold two thoughts in. There's, you know, there's a balance. The balance. Yeah. Better not be going tilted towards opening too soon. You know. There's a balance. I understand that there's a balance Uh, I have wealthy friends who don't leave the house because they don't need to leave the house. Uh, But I recognize that a lot of people do need to get back financially. Things are going to start closing. We're going to lose a lot of businesses. And I feel terrible about that, too. You know, I worry about the world. It's not just me. I worry about the world. Dink, I got
3: 60 seconds. What's the charity you're involved with real quick?
4: SoCal Thoroughbred Rescue, they take horses from the racetrack and rehome them and give them a job to do. Um, it's it's a small... Uh, it's a small... Old Friends is a very big one. It's a little old friends for horses that aren't all that successful. SCTBRescue.org is the website. If you have a little extra money and you care about horse racing, um, it would be great if you <laughs> donate... I will be back uh, when sports reopen, giving out picks for donations. It goes right to the charity. i don't take a penny out of that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's my giving back. Gamblers don't really take anything, but they don't give back either. So that's my way of giving back. I think a lot of gamblers are now giving back more, seeing the way the world is today.
3: Alan Dink, in everybody. Dink, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at, uh, I guess that's uh, Dink Inc. Isn't that what that is? At Dink Inc. Yes. D-I-N-K-I-N-C The name uh, of on my Twitter. fake business. Yeah. Twitter. Say again, I'm sorry?
4: Name of my fake business when I was working with uh, <laughs> like. the,
3: the name of your fake make business back in the day. Yes. Alan, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it.
4: My pleasure. It was
3: fun, Bill. Alan you. Alan has right here on a number k at